This is Greg. And this is Rob from Joyous Wolf. You're listening to J-Spot Focus Rocks Podcast. everyone welcome back to the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast i'm your host jay scott we are part of the pantheon podcast network a great network of music related podcasts there's a topic for everyone who's got different taste in music go check it out at pantheonpodcast.com and also on twitter at pantheon pods you can check out some of my friends and some fellow podcasters on there like Vinny Apice and Carmen Apice with promoter Ron and Esty on the Hanging and Banging podcast. Martin Popoff, the rock historian. Mr. Scary out in Boston. Tom and Zeus, the number one ranked KISS podcast at Shout Out Loudcast. And also Baco at Cobras and Fire. You can check out the Hook Rocks wherever you podcast on every platform, whether it's Amazon, iTunes, Apple, or Spotify. And you can follow us on Twitter at... The Hook Rocks, as well as Facebook. Check out some of our most recent episodes. We had a great interview with emerging rock bands out of UK to end the year in 2021. And 2022 has started off great. We had The Warning, the three sisters from Mexico, the new emerging band that's just ready to jump out of the stratosphere. Some other new great music spotlights as well, always focusing on new bands, Joyous Wolf, Georgia Thunderbolts, and of course, our Music Celebration of 2021, where we ranked the top 30 favorite albums and over six hours of discussion and over 160 albums covered in the in the discussion. So please, all you music nerds, go enjoy that episode. We've got another fantastic episode for you today. One of uh, my favorite musicians from one of my favorite bands. I am uh, uh, very excited about this. I'd like to welcome in from Thin Lizzy. Mr. Scott Gorham. What's going on, Scott? How are you? Hey, Jay Scott. Thanks a lot for having me. This is this is great. I, I hear you're freezing your buns off over there. So and we're not. <laughs> you know, I, I am looking out the window, eight inches of snow. It's 16 degrees. I ain't going anywhere till tomorrow. So I am uh, packed in. Yeah, I can't even remember the last time London had snow. It's such a rarity, right? But uh, and I, I told you this before that Chicago's the coldest place. I've ever been to in my life, uh, 63 degrees below zero. And uh, I, I was at the time, and I still am, I use Marshall amps, and they, they use that as a tagline, you know, 63 degree, degrees below zero, and my amps still work. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's great. I, I would buy it on that premise too. You know, right. you never know right. when you got a backyard party in minus 63. <laughs> right. Let's jam. <laughs> well, thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, we always start the same way. Every time we have a first time guest on the hook rocks, that's really the essence of the show, which is just like every rock song has a hook that pulls you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh, well, it was definitely the Beatles when they, uh, well, actually, no, it, it was the uh, Dick Dale. Dick Dale and the Deltones, the king of the surf guitars, right? Uh, and I, I love that guy, you know, but you know, he didn't look, he was not of the era of the Beatles. He still had the pompadour greased hairdo and all that and the, the slick jacket with the tiny little ties and all that. But man, that guy could play. He could really play. And he was such a showman that you could not take your eyes off the screen or off the stage when you went, to, went and saw him play. So he, he was... I got to credit him for being the first guy to kind of get my juices going. Where did it go from there? Like what made you want to pick up guitar? Was it Dick Dale or was there something else? And then when did it lead to wanting to be in a band? Well, you know, there was always uh, the Elvis Presley thing, you know, uh, uh, jailhouse rock and all that. And my, <clears throat> my mother saw that every, t- every time uh, Elvis Presley would come on, I'd grab the broom and I'd be in front of the mirror. You know, I'd be throwing shapes like crazy. And my, I, I guess I'd done that so many times. She mentioned it to my father, who uh, the next year got out, went out and got myself this uh, really cheap Sears acoustic, you know, cat gut string guitar, right? That I probably kept that thing for like 20 years. But that's the, the guitar that I started to play and learn, you know, yeah, easy chords on and and all that. And I tell you, my father, he, he doesn't have a musical bone in his body, right? Not one bone, right? But he picked this guitar up uh, on Christmas Day, and he played me three chords. And I thought, oh, my God, man, my dad's a musical genius, right? And I'm sure what happened is he said, listen, can you show me a couple of easy chords so I can show my son and kind of depressing <laughs> with this? <laughs> and he did. I mean, I was nine years old, you know. And your dad was a musician. Oh, my God. Great. So how did you develop your tone and your and your sound? You know, were there particular guitar players that kind of led you to that path? And, and, you know, because when you think of Thin Lizzy, you think of the the you know dual guitars and the harmonies with the, with the guitar players. It's just a magnificent sound. Where did that come from? Well, uh, my style in particular is it was just like a homemade style. Uh, I never had guitar lessons, uh, and really it was all about, when I first got in the band, you know, Brian Robertson was with us, and I, it was hard not to notice how really great this guy was, you know, I mean, he was, I was way out of his, he was out of my league, I'm out of his league, so I kind of honed in on Brian a little bit, I learned, learned a few things from him, you know, the differences between minor chords and major chords, which I did not know at the time, uh, and I'm very ashamed to admit that. But, uh, and it just, there was nobody I was actually trying to copy, you know, it was very much a, uh, a hand, hand picking kind of thing, a typewriter kind of thing. Well, you know, that works. Okay. Well, no, that doesn't work there. I can't put that note there. Well, but that one works there, you know, so it was a pretty slow process for me, you know, uh, whereas, say like a Brian Robertson, his father was the saxophone player in the Art Blakey jazz band, for God's sakes, right? 
And his mother was a piano teacher. So he had all of this, all the scales and all that going through his head. So well, I kind of picked his brain a little bit for the technical side of things. The uh, actual style, it was just, it just came, you know, it's, it's more of a feel thing than really anything else. It's not down to kind of technique or whatever. It's just how I felt it. And uh, that's how it was developed for me. Finn Lizzie had so much uniqueness about the band, you know, whether it was those guitars that, you know, were able to harmonize that influenced so many other bands after that, you know, whether it was, you know, I think Iron Maiden, namely, you know, when you think of the dual guitars and the harmonies and then you had, you know, Phil's writing style telling a story. Uh, I don't know if there's ever been a rock band that's been able to capture you know, the uniqueness of, of the band behind the singer and then the singer itself with the, his approach and his lyrics and the way his style was. And so much uniqueness about that band, whereas no band has been able to match that since then. Well, I, I don't know if they've not been able to match it, but, you know, I, I you know, I came to realize that we were definitely different than uh, most everybody out there. And that was kind of on purpose, really. It was kind of I even talked about thing where we just wanted to be a completely original band. You know, we didn't want to sound like anybody else. I mean, that was on purpose. Absolutely. But it sometimes it was to our detriment a little bit, right? Uh, because it, when it came time to showing your songs or your bits for the, you know, the next album, uh, the last thing you ever wanted to hear from anybody that you were showing this to was, Hey, you know, that kind of sounds like, right? And you knew that if it started to sound like anybody else, boom, it got thrown out, which was, to me, that, that wasn't, you know, the, the greatest thing to happen. Because I think we, we lost out on a lot of really great bits just because, of, hey, you know, it kind of sounds like, you know, so I, I w- really wish we would have kept some of those bits in, uh, uh, in, in some of the songs. But yeah, you're right. You know, we... We, we really did try to, you know, keep it uh, as different as possible from, from everybody else out there. So, I, you know, I, I guess we ended up being a little on the unique side. As far as you and you being the guitar player of the band, you know, you mentioned Brian. There was, you know, Gary Moore, John Sykes. How did you adjust to those changes in the band, um, you know, as you guys, you know, made, you know, albums and tours and had all the changes that were happening? Right. You know, a lot of times when I was, oh, God, here we go again. You know, here, where, here's the new guy coming in, right? But, you know, what made that uh, really pretty painless is each one of those guys that, that you just named, they were all great players, right? And they were great people to be in a band with. Uh, and it was a real pleasure to actually write songs and, you know, get on stage with, with them and uh, you kind of trusted the fact that you were going to get out there and really kick some ass because everybody in the band had a, had a thing, you know, we were, uh, you know, you know, four really talented and sometimes five really talented guys, you know, that all had this sort of one goal in mind, you know, to uh, every time we got on stage, we wanted to slay the audience every time, you know, there was no backing off at all. So so, yeah, it was difficult, you know, it's it, always in the beginning with the new guy, uh, whoever it was, always had to adhere to what had come in, in the past, right? Because now there's a history 
Uh, you have to adhere. You have to play the songs, you know, the way that they were written. You have to do the, you know, harmony guitars, the way they were written, the way they were played. If you want to embellish a little bit, great, you know. But when it comes time to do your album, right, your particular album, free reign. Man, hell for leather, you go for it, right? Because all of us are going to be start. we're going to be pushing you on, on, on this album. Uh, and that's usually how it worked was whoever came in got the big push. So the uh, the audience would get to know that person really well instead of like, oh, yeah, well, who's that guy? You know, we made sure that everybody knew who that guy was. I always like to ask people I, I interview about their own evolution or the band's evolution of sound, you know, throughout their career. When you look at those early Thin Lizzy albums to mm-hmm. the last album that came out, there was a, a significant evolution in sound and in, in, in just what they were, what you guys were trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. Was that something that you were consciously aware of or did that happen organically as you went through your career? Yeah, it was more of a, an organic thing. The things that we wrote, it, there were we we never said, well, okay, we're going to sound like this or we're going to sound like that. Uh, in every sort of writing session that we did, uh, the songs came out the way the songs came out. You know, you know, whatever vibe that uh, that we put onto it, that that was it. You know, it, it wasn't. There was no conscious effort of you know, we need to sound like that, or we need to sound like these guys over here, or it's got to be this kind of sound. It was always, it came out the way it came out, you know, and uh, yeah, you know, and through that process, you know, there's tracks that you do like more than others, uh, obviously. And I think uh, every musician who has done, you know, multiple albums are going to say the same things. You know, you can't, like every song that that you write and produce and, and record, you know, but uh, but yeah, I'd say it was much more of an organic thing rather rather than a, a you know a planned rigid kind of effort. I recently had Ema Reynolds on the podcast to discuss the documentary "Songs for While I'm Away," the Phil Lina documentary, and mm-hmm. it was it was tremendous. And one of the things that I enjoyed about it was you know i've read a lot of books on thin lizzy and, and phil Lynott, and you always associate phil Lynott with the drug overdose or you know how he died the drug abuse and everything and right i was i was and i even told emer this i was very happy the way we saw a different side of him and mm-hmm. you know a, a different side of how the band interacted with him too as well because i think that's been lost because you guys were such a great band and he was such a great artist that it's really simple to talk about those things, right? The tragedy of the rock star, you know, we, we've heard I that agree. story all the time, but, you know, to learn his perspective and to learn what the band was trying to do was, was awesome. It was, it was a great to see that. And I felt an instant connection with the story because I've enjoyed your music for so long. When you were asked to be a part of it, were you happy that that was the direction they were going to go with instead of the same old story that has been told before. Uh, all I knew was uh, I, I had no idea who Thin Lizzy were at that point. Cause the, when I had landed in London in 1974, their song whiskey in the jar had come and gone. Uh, and nobody was really talking about them anymore. They, they really didn't have a follow-up single to, to speak of. Right. 
So I had no chance to uh, know who these guys were individually, uh, band-wise or anything. So I kind of walked in. I was this objective guy coming in, you know, uh, and I had 30 more days on my visa and I was back on the plane back, back home to Glendale, California, which I can tell you, I did not want, right. Uh, uh, Cause to me, that would have been total failure for, for that to have happened. Right. And the first guy I met was, was Phil. Uh, he came out and said, are you Scott? And I said, yep. You know, and he had this big old smile on his face and, uh, stuck his hand out and come on, let's go in and let's let's uh, get your guitar out and let's let's play some music, right? And from the, really the first song on that I played with those guys, I, I knew that I wanted into this thing. Uh, Brian Downey played drums like I had never played with before. Uh, he was he was so self assured and uh, uh, he he played with a you know a real vigor. Right. He, he knew exactly where he wanted to go on his drum, drums at all times. Then you got this other guy, uh, um, uh, actually on my, my right hand side, uh, Brian Robertson, who was just fire, you know, with uh, every solo that he came out was just, he was just on fire. Then there's this guy in the middle of this, this Phil guy, right? Who you could tell that these other two guys who had obviously been there for a while, they, uh, they looked to him. So he was obviously the leader of, of this whole thing, right? And you could you could see why. I mean, he had this real big magnetic personality going for him. And when he spoke, you wanted to listen. You wanted to hear what he had to say, right? So, uh, so yeah, yeah I, I wanted I wanted straight in right off the bat from that day on, right? And <clears throat> to be quite honest, I I've said this before. I, I don't think I did very well on that. <laughs> that audition right I, in fact i thought i probably blew it you know uh until phil said so uh you got a phone number and i said yeah well, yeah absolutely and he ripped off this little tiny little corner of this piece of paper and i thought okay there we go he's this time he's gonna lose that like in, in five minutes time right and as i'm walking walking out he he says hey scott and i said yeah he says so what are you, what are you doing tomorrow and I thought, I think I'm in. I think I'm in, you know. And he did. He called me that night because uh, apparently, and I, I didn't know it, they, they had been taping th- this whole session. Uh, and, he, and he called me uh, that night and he said, we've all listened to the tapes and we think you're the guy. You're the guy that fits right in. What do you think? You want to be a member of Thin Lizzy? And I, I couldn't answer him quick enough. It was like, oh, hell yes, right? And it was the very next day. That's when we started in earnest to uh, to do these uh, four shows that were going to try to get us a, a new record deal. And then the pressure was on. <laughs> Your involvement in the documentary, you know, what, you know, like we talked, you know, what I asked before with, you know, the same old, you know, we always hear the same old story about the rock star tragedy. When you, when you looked at the documentary and saw that it was going in the direction that you, that, that it went, you know, where it was more of a introspective on Phil's life rather than the tragedy. Um, yeah. Because I think that's what I was really glad of. Yeah. And that's I what really I wanted to ask you, you know, would you have been a part of something that they wanted to go back and tell that same story again? You know, well, I, w- I would have argued about it uh you know i've had to you know you can imagine how many interviews i've done uh up to this point since 
<laughs> since Phil died. Uh, and for a while, for the first few years, that's all they wanted to talk about. You know, let's talk about Phil's drug use. Let's talk about your drug use. Let's talk about drugs, you know. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I, I knew exactly when these questions were going to come in. It was always going to be question number three. You know, the first question was a, like a real softener, right? The, the second one was going to be kind of a kind of a nothing question. And so let's get into the drugs. Always number three, right? Uh, to the point where after a while, I, even before interview started, I said, if you just want to talk about drugs, you know, the interview is over with. If you want to talk about the music or uh, a gig that you saw or an album, you want to talk, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. But if all you want to talk about is drugs, I am out, right? And I think that the word kind of got around that, that I'd had enough of that. And, uh, and everybody started to ease up on all that, you know, obviously unfortunately it's part of the history uh uh, it's fascinating to know that uh, phil by the way he didn't die from a drug overdose it was drug abuse yes which is quite a bit different yeah but um so yeah i mean that all sort of started to die down and really if people want to carve out a certain section of the interview and talk about the drugs i got i don't have a problem with that because it really is it's part of the history. It's what happened. It's what we did, you know, and it's just part of the history now. So, so we'll talk about it, but when it, when it just becomes just all drugs, it's I'm done. Well, as a fan, I was happy that we were talking about something else in the documentary, because to me, thin Lizzie is so much more than what happened with, with Phil. I mean, when you listen to some of those songs and, you know, I've been in the car with my son and we'll be listening to thin Lizzie and I'll be like, do you know how many people been influenced by this band? You know, we taught, we mentioned Maiden, but bands like, you know, uh, Bon Jovi, uh, Bruce Springsteen, if you listen to his approach, uh, you know, how he sings sometimes it's a direct correlation to, to, uh, to Phil and how his approach was. And you think of all these bands that are out there and, and it, and I just never, and I still think it, it's it's the same thing where Thin Lizzy is never appreciated for that. It's always about the tragedy with 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 Phil. And finally, there was a documentary, and finally, there was something that was being told that was more than that. And I really appreciate that as a fan. And I was yeah. and I was happy to have Emer on and talk to her about it. And that's what she said. She wouldn't have done the documentary if what the subject matter was was about. The drug she wanted because she's she's a thin Lizzie fan herself as you know yes. and and she wanted to tell a different side of the band a different side yes, of the story yeah. which I was I'm glad she did that well and I was too when we when I first met her and I you know I was a bit skeptical you know okay here we go again you know of it's going to be the same old subject matter right and and she came straight off straight up and said this is not going to be a uh a drug documentary at all. I want to know who Phil Linet was, right? And I I was all in with that, you know, because I get asked so many times, you know, hey, Scott, what was Phil really like, you know? And I, I can probably stop answering that question because the this this film kind of answers it for me. You know, you can, it, it tells you what this guy was all about, you know, how he thought, you know, what is, uh, family life was like, you know, with, with his kids and his wife and all that, with the fans, you know, how much he really loved the fans and all that. And it showed you that he was a different personality with this person than he was with that person. You know, it just depended on 
who you were, you know, how you know Phil actually treated you, right? So it kind of eliminated that question for me. It took that sort of pressure off my back to try to explain who who Phil Line it was, you know. All you got to do now is just look at the movie. You can tell who this guy is or or was. In the fall, it was announced that you were leaving Black Star Riders to focus solely on Thin Lizzy. What led to that decision? Well, it was like right in the beginning of the the whole pandemic thing, right? And uh, I know uh, Ricky uh, wanted to do an album straight off the bat. And, you know, I said, well, I... I can't and I won't get on a plane right now, for God's sakes. We got this thing raging around all of us. You know, it's it's kind of impossible. And I just I was out of it. I did not want to do an album by Zoom. You know, I just just didn't even want to contemplate that. Right. Plus, uh, I did want to start concentrating on uh, on Thin Lizzy to, uh, you know, to get out there and, you know, show people these re- really great songs that, that we did right. So and I so I thought. You know, it'd be unfair to try to really put 100% concentration and effort into one and then the other kind of is kind of flailing there on, on the, uh, you know, the, the side there. So I thought, well, I've done four albums with Black Star Writers. Like, you know, I love them and I love the guys. Uh, I think, you know, I, I've proved the point with Black Star Writers. Now it's time to concentrate a little bit more on on Thin Lizzy and, and see what we uh, see what we can do. Because, you know, there's so many really great musicians who want to be in this band called Thin Lizzy. It's, it's like yourself. They listen to the songs their whole life. And, you know, to be able to get up on the stage and, you know, for real, you know, play play the songs. You know, it's, uh, it's really kind of heartwarming that I know that I can reach out. And there's just so many guys that want to, get up there and uh, sit up there shoulder to shoulder with me, you know, uh, paying homage to Phil and Gary and everybody else that, that was in the band. So, and that's, that's really, it's, it's not an easy thing. It's as you would think to, to pick who's going to do it, you know, well, you know, this guy can do this, but he's kind of lacking in, you know, maybe Lizzie knowledge on this side over here. So, so it really is, you know, picking the right, you know, person for the right tour when when we do uh, Thin Lizzy. Is it more or less going to be kind of like that, um, kind of like a, a like a tribute to the band, or is it going to be a band that's making albums, or just is it just going to be touring with artists playing the music of Thin Lizzy? Yeah, the latter. You know, okay. I for such a long time, you know. Uh, you know, there, there was, you know, half the fans wanted a new album and half of the other fans hated the idea, just hated the idea. Right. And uh, I actually didn't like the idea myself to actually take the name Thin Lizzy uh, and record a new album without Phil being there. Just never sat right with me. But, uh, you know, the, the question kept coming, you know, when's the new material? We need a new album. Uh, and then, like I said, the other fans were going, no, 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 please, please don't do that, right? So, you know, I just opted for, you know, I'm going to go out and have fun. You know, I'm going to play with a lot of really great musicians who are, uh, who, who grew up with Thin Lizzy, uh, who actually love the music, and they're going to get out there and put their heart and soul uh, into, into this music, as we all have done through the years uh, when we get out there and play it live. So, you know, that's the way, uh, that's the way I'm going to do it. When do you anticipate 
starting this and, and, um, you know, getting on the road and, and performing? Well, I'm going to try for the end of this year. Uh, and if that doesn't happen, it will definitely, definitely be in, uh, you know, 23, you know, there's still things to work out, you know, different contracts and, uh, all that. There's always, you know, some little rut in the road that, you know, you got to uh, bounce over, but, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, the latest it's going to be is sort of uh, mid 23, but hopefully it'll be, you know, latter 22. Uh, I think we still have enough time to set up a tour for 22 in some, some part of the world, but, uh, but we'll see. I know that uh, our management is, is, you know, working hard on it. So uh, it it will happen. I just can't tell you when. <laughs> are there any musicians? How's that for sitting on the fence? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> are Are there any musicians you can you can talk about that are going to be part of this? Well, you know, Damon actually, Ricky's going to be back singing. You know, uh, uh, I love Ricky. I love what he does on stage. Uh, you know, I I loved him right from the beginning. Uh, I worked on his first solo album. And as I was working on that, I thought, well, who does this guy remind me of? He, he, he reminds me of somebody, right? And it was at uh, uh, in the studio, and it finally came to me. You know, the timbre of the voice, uh, how he approached the, the songwriting. He's a story guy himself. He's from Northern Ireland. Phil was from the South, right? But it's all the same island, right? I thought, this guy really reminds me of Phil, you know? I mean... How how can I actually really go with anybody else but but Ricky? And if if have you ever met Ricky? I've had him on the show, yeah. Okay, because you know he's a great guy, right? Right. He, he's Absolutely. Just, he, he's a hell of a lot of fun to hang with. Uh, he'll never let you down. Uh, you can always trust him on every show to to give you know two hundred percent, right? So uh, you know he's always going to be my guy uh, up there in in the front. Uh, you know, getting the audience going and getting everybody singing along and having a great time, you know. Right now, the other guitar player is, is probably Damon Johnson. Uh, that Damon on the show, too. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, he's a yeah. good guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, drums and bass. Uh, not totally sorted out yet. I have uh, two guys in each position already kind of lined up in my mind who, are, who I want to get. And both of them, all four of them. Uh, are just great players, you know, so it will be a good show. You know, there's no, I have no doubt about that. No, it sounds like it. I mean, uh, when I saw Black Star Riders with, I think it was Judas Priest and Saxon, I, I drove up okay, to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. drove up to Milwaukee to, uh, we killed them all, right? <laughs> <laughs> the guys were fantastic. It was awesome. Um, you know, people forget that Milwaukee's only about an hour and 10 from Chicago. So I, I cruised up there and saw all three great bands and and I was with my friend. I'm like, man, I'm like, they sound great. I mean, they sound fantastic. I mean, Ricky was awesome and you were great. The band was great. So, and I, Damon, you know, I've, I've seen several times here. Um, he's got a connection with Chicago with some, um, the people that do his logo and marketing and stuff that they're, they're from Chicago and I've known them, but that sounds great. I mean, Damon just released a great, solo album last year ricky released a great solo album too as well so um that's exciting to hear you you can always tell when you when you're doing okay when you're a completely unknown band and the people stand up and applaud you you know you you know you're doing something right you know so (laughs) when we started seeing these things with uh 
Black Star Writers when we first started out, that was a huge encouragement, you know, to to keep going. And that was after only the the first album. And I can tell you right now, nobody knew who the hell Black Star Writers was. You know, in fact, a lot of times, what the Blue Star Writers? What, what what's going on? And the name's too long, you know, that kind of that kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, when when you're totally unknown and the, and the people are going going crazy for it, that's that's just great. Well, that was such a great bill too. You know, I mean, I had yeah. never, I've always been a fan of Saxon and I never seen them in concert. And, mm-hmm. uh, it was years that I had seen Judas Priest. So going up there, that was a, that was a great show. That was fantastic. Yeah. Judas Priest are a very great band, you know? Yeah. Uh, sometimes I think people just kind of fob, fob them off as just being a heavy metal band, you know, but, uh, they put on a hell of a show, right? And the, the musicianship in that, at, in that band is, superb you know, yes. it's it's really great stuff you know so you know if you want to go see a really great metal show you can't you can't do too much worse than going to see judas priest and saxon you know absolutely absolutely when you know making that decision to f- focus solely on thin lizzy was it also driven by this documentary of like kind of having those feelings kind of reemerge again like hey you know this is um you know, this is this is my first love, basically, and and yeah. and to and people want to hear this music because that's I think that's one of the things that yeah is missing from a lot of people who maybe didn't get to see Led Zeppelin or didn't get to see Thin Lizzy is right. you know those songs are so great and they're not played anymore, and yeah. there's a there's a big fan base out there, there's a, a big contingency of people that want to hear those songs performed again. Yeah, and it's it's different when you hear it live than than off your. Yeah stereo system you know there's a there's an excitement there you know it's uh i remember as a kid right uh, this, this is what kills me about youtube they've taken all the mystery out of everything you know you'd be looking at the album cover and you go yeah, i wonder what the bass player i wonder how he moves on stage or i wonder what the singer's like right and you get your ticket and there he was you know that oh that's what the bass player looks like or the singer right you, you kind of don't get that anymore you know no. but there still is that live excitement thing, you know, uh, you haven't seen it all just because you watch YouTube, you have not seen it all, you know? So, uh, I, I'm such a huge proponent of buying tickets and going out and supporting the, you know, the bands you love, you know, cause it's, it's just a hell of a lot of fun. And, and, you know, I always think of it is I've said this before. It's our job to put smile on people's faces, especially after what we've all been through right now. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it is our job to put a smile on people's faces. So uh, hopefully we're going to keep on doing that. I don't mean just me. I mean, all of us, you know? Yeah. I, I was just going to say that, that, you know, over these last two years, it's been hard to find joy. You know, it's Ooh. been hard to find things to get excited about. You've had moments where things kind of crept back to normal and then they kind of got, you know, pushed back again, like we're dealing with now. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's nice. I, I was going to concerts in the summer, spring, summer, fall, and you know, I got my, you know, I was vaccinated, so I was a little bit more comfortable about going. Plus, in Chicago, they do, they do uh, demand, you know, proof of vac- vaccinations or, or, right. or a negative test. So I felt good about going. And then all, and then all of a sudden, the shows I was supposed to go to in January have been postponed and, and you know, moved, and it's kind of frustrating. But yeah, I mean, sure. to see. 
Yeah, to see a, a band again, you know, like Thin Lizzy and you perform on stage, that's exciting. That's something to look forward to because, like you said, you know, we really haven't had a lot to look forward to um, in the last couple well, of know, years. I, I think a lot of us lost our sense of humor there for a while, too. Yeah. You know, uh, and how tragic is that? You know, when you when you lose your le- sense of humor, you've kind of lost it all at that point. But I think now we're slowly getting our sense of humor back. We're starting to find our feet. Um we can, you know, put our feet firmly on the ground now. We're feeling a little bit more safe about things, uh, going out to restaurants or cinemas. A lot of places around the world, they've uh, uh, nixed the, you know, the mask uh, mandate, so you don't have to wear the mask uh, a lot. Uh, I know that a lot of people still do, and I I, I don't blame them. That's a, it's a good thing. It's not a negative thing. But, uh, yeah, it's – I think hopefully you know fingers crossed that by the end of this year uh we'll we'll all we've all going to get our sense of humor back we're all going to go out on the road and we're all going to have a great time together that that is my prediction okay and you can hold me to that. you can hold me to that i'm going to hold you to it as long as you as long as you come to chicago or close to it uh i'll be happy well, you know, if you're doing a, 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 a U.S. tour and you don't go to Chicago, something's really wrong, you know, so you definitely get, get to Chicago. Absolutely. Awesome. As far as it goes for you, you know, being a musician, being someone who creates, um, what was the last two years like for you in, in terms of music and creating? You know, some some musicians didn't do much and some just wanted to go into a bubble and kind of forget about things and grab their guitar or, you know, grab their pen and started writing lyrics. How was, how was the, 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 this time for you being someone who's been creating music for, for so long? Yeah. Well, it's kind of the same for me. You know, you kind of get into different moods for, for different things. Uh, There's times where I want to sit in my office, you know, and just, flip on my little 50 watt here at a low level and just start playing, you know, and I've got a little uh, uh, recording thing here. And, I, and if an idea comes up, boom, I hit, I hit record, you know? And, uh, so it, it's been kind of going like that. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of people. I love writing with people, right. To sit there just on my lone ranger and think everything's going to be great with what I'm, whatever I'm writing. I, I'm, I'm not that guy, you know, I, I love to turn around and finish stuff and turn around and go, so uh, what was that like? Was that crap or was that okay? You know? So I, I like the, the bounce. Uh, I like seeing each other eyeball to eyeball, you know, it's, uh, uh, I'm just kind of like that kind of team player kind of guy, you know? So, so yeah, it's been sporadic. It's been really boring. And then it's, you, you play something that you really like, and then you're, you're feeling great about yourself again. And, uh, and then the next day it kind of starts all over again, you know? So like I say, by, by the end of 22, hopefully everybody's going to get back together and get, and get that eyeball thing going. And, and it's, it's all going to go back to normal. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, well, hopefully, yeah. There's always that sense too, you know, dealing with something like this, that, you know, you start to reflect on how fragile life is, right? I mean, because you know, anything can happen at any time. And you, you, you're dealing with things that we, none of us have ever dealt before and you're, and you're, and you're seeing loved ones or friends pass on or become very sick. Did that in any way play a part in wanting to revitalize Thin Lizzy? Because, you know, you, you, you're like, you know what? 
we don't know how much time we have. Let's let's get this going again. Let's let's do this again. Was that any thought to, to no, what you wanted to do? I don't think in those guys. That, that's pretty dark there, Jay yeah. Scott. <laughs> let's play music because we're probably going to be dead tomorrow. You know. No. <laughs> No, well, I'm I, not saying, I'm not saying, <laughs> I mean, that, no, I, the, way, the way you put it, I'm like, yeah, Jesus, I'm like, how did I, I just took a turn for the, for the, into the darkness. Man, that went dark. <laughs> no, no I, I know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Uh, that it gave me a kick in the ass to, you know, when you get out right. there and play even harder, right? Uh, and, no, not really. You know, I'm just, I'm pretty much this even tempered kind of guy, you know, when, uh, when the mood strikes and uh, uh, I feel inspired, I'll come in here and whip the guitar on and, you know, just start playing or do a little recording, you know, and, um, and that's kind of it. There's, there's really no big, you know, secret to, to, to what I do. You know, I imagine there's other guys out there who have, who do have the big secret and uh, I want to buy a jar of that from them, you know, so I can take a sip every once in a while <laughs> when I'm not feeling the up, you know? Yeah, no, 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 most definitely. Um, well, in closing, as we finish the interview here, um, when you think back of it, it, what Thin Lizzy was, and you think now of going on tour, you know, and, and revitalizing the band, the one thing you want to carry into this new tour that Thin Lizzy had back then, what is it? What is that one thing that you need for the fans to hear and, and for you to perform for what Thin Lizzy was, the essence of Thin Lizzy, into this new performance? Well, you, you got to remember, <clears throat> uh, every time I walk out on the stage under the moniker of Thin Lizzy, I know that I'm representing people that, that can't be there any longer. Uh, I.e., you know, Phil Lined, Gary Moore. Uh, and I, it's kind of on my shoulders you know, to make this right, you know, to make sure that people walk out of there going, yeah, you know, that was pretty cool. That was, I think Phil would have liked that. Or I think Gary would have liked that. Uh, and that's kind of a, I carry that with me kind of all the time, really. That's uh, uh, we are, we're representing, you know, and, and if you stop representing these people that can't represent themselves any longer, I think that's uh, well, that's just not right. You know, so this, that's what I want people to know is, uh, and really with people coming out to, to see it, they're, they're helping me represent uh, the, the, these guys also. So that's, that's the main thing that, that I do think about. Well, Scott, it's been a great conversation. I, I appreciate the time. Uh, it's been a treat for me to talk with you and uh, can't wait to see you on stage, hopefully by the end of the year and definitely in 2023. Right. Got to do it. Got to do it. Or you're just going to call me back and call me a liar. I don't want to. I don't want you to do that. If nothing happens by this December, end of the year, I will be rescheduling an interview to just call you a liar for forty five minutes. On the front door, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, thanks again. I appreciate it. Hey, it was really good talking to you, Jay Scott. Thanks so much for having me do this with you. Awesome, everyone. That's Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks. Thanks again for tuning in. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Take care of each other. We'll talk soon. Thanks. I'm a lonely girl They seem to hit it all Till Romeo He told the lonely girl I must take my leave, my love It was these few words I overheard Thought I would move in But before I could The lonely girl Had fallen in love with you Oh, for
had it rough The guy you'd like to burn But everything that Romeo had You can bet it was well earned It's NFL draft season And that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 